Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where couples watch Doctor Who for the very first time. My name's Jake. With me are Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex, and producer Terry. This week, we are here to talk about Thin Ice, written by Sarah Dollar, directed by Bill Anderson, aired April 29th, 2017. Jill. Yes. What did you think of this one? Mm, I don't know if it's my frame of mind. I really wanted a romp. It wasn't a romp. So I didn't love it, but I mean, there's good things. It's like it threatened to be a romp and then changed its mind. It just <laughs> felt like it should be a romp at this point in getting to know Bill and in the season. And it was not a romp. Cody? I, I don't know what you think. Like, it was kind of like a romp? Nah, I think this is the farthest thing from a romp ever. I enjoyed the episode. <laughs> It wasn't mind-blowing, but it was fucking intense and great. I said it was threatening, like, at the beginning. Like, you know, they're in a big uh, carnival or, like, uh, you know, going to all the vendors and checking out all the stuff. It seems oh, like, oh, this is going to be yeah. fun. And then, oh, a kid died. Uh, <laughs> <Sam>? <laughs> yes. I enjoyed the episode. I thought it was really good. Nice, fun adventure. Got a little more into Bill's character, I think, and how she reacts to things, and I thought it was good. Terry? It was... Okay. Uh, I watched it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I watched it. Glowing. <laughs> I, I feel like there were definite parts that there's still holes that weren't explained. Like, that are could have been explained and not purposely left unexplained um but i was Ooh, actually really wanting this to is be this the puddle shut up <laughs> but i really wanted it uh it had the capability of being scarier like i was expecting it to be a lot more um uh are you my mummy type of vibe like it certainly had the capability to go there but it didn't. Capability being there were kids. <laughs> there were children. Re repetitive things children say. It was and, London. And there were no mummies around. I really want Terry to be a movie critic. Just have like all the like a whole <laughs> panel of people saying intelligent things and then having Terry say, watched. <laughs> yeah. First Get of all, done. I watched this. <laughs> Second of End all, of tweet. not enough zombie children. <laughs> And there could have been zombie children. <laughs> well, Missed you were opportunity. A hundred and twenty-five years early for any "Are You My Mummies?" Uh, Alex, what'd you think? I like it. It's uh, it's interesting. It like brings up a couple of things that we've talked about in the past, like being a person of color in the past. Uh, that was kind of interesting. Um, there was some heavy moments, and I I, I liked it for that. It, it was, I was sad because Jill and I watched it together and she's like, I wanted it to be fun. I was like, oh, but it's so good. <laughs> I remember that episode with Martha and Jake saying, we'll touch on this in a later um, episode where he hits on it better. And the second they stepped out of the TARDIS, I was like, we've made it. We found it. <laughs> yeah, it's the Shakespeare code. Um, oh, yep. That's what it was. Yeah. And so that one's written by Gareth Roberts, who's a dick. And like, yeah, brush it aside. Like, I'm a white dude. I don't give a fuck. And then, um, yeah, this one, not going to believe it, written by a lady. <laughs> you know, actually <laughs> consider it and <laughs> thinking about stuff. And when um, when Chris Chibnall takes over the show, uh, we'll see it handled uh, more in your face and more... Uh, realistically other than like 
the doctor's being like, yeah, you know what? It might be dangerous. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Chimna will do yeah. it in in a more metal way. He did. It was touched on a lot more this episode and especially, I'm sure we'll get into it, but the later part where the Lord is just outright racist. Oh, shit. Did, did I like miss other spots? I think that was the only one that I like saw well just when she steps out of the TARDIS and she's uh, like points to her face and says melanin oh yeah <laughs> like he's like oh yeah uh <laughs> and then all, all I wrote down for notes is just lines because there's a lot of really good lines in this and I think right after that she says well what do you do to stay out of trouble and he just goes I'm not the person to ask <laughs> hey Jake uh yeah what did you think Oh, you know, um, I was kind of looking forward to this one, and for some reason, wasn't really gelling with it today. Uh, I really liked the first half or first 15 minutes when they are just kind of exploring the the fair and interacting with the kids. But then once like the proper adventure kicks off, I really didn't give a shit anymore. I did think that, that that part of them exploring was the most fun in the whole episode. Yeah, I've said it before. Give me an alien marketplace and I'm happy. <laughs> and, you know, a 200-year-old marketplace is pretty alien. So I'm, I'm cool with that, too. It seems like it's been so long since we've had a past review. So I was, like, very much enjoying it. I had to Google this and I was like, is this a real thing? It is. This happened. They have a, a carnival on the Thames? The Thames? Uh, they did back when it used to freeze. It hasn't happened in a very long... The 1814 is the last one. Anyways, it says that it froze in 1963. In in this thing. The giant serpent came back. Do-do-do-do. <laughs> Gasp. The serpent? I suppose it was supposed to be long, but it looked like just a big old anglerfish to me. Yeah, I would maybe call that more a, le a Leviathan. Yeah, I like that name. I originally thought it was going to be a giant tapeworm. <laughs> Gross. It's just a peaceful <laughs> creature that shits out uh, those logs you put on a fire to make it burn better. Christmas you logs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I have a question about the serpent and friends. Uh, are... One sec. Sam, are we open for questions? Yes, Every we'll time. take questions at this at this moment. Go ahead, Terry. Uh, the anglerfish, are those the ones that freeze the Thames? I think it was more the Leviathan being there caused it. Like it naturally like freezes around or it searches out colder temperatures to live. Because that's what I was confused about as to why the anglerfish stayed around the leviathan like that relationship didn't make sense and i th thought it said that the anglerfish are what was causing it to be cold the doctor did ask when they went up to the fisher guy that had some in his bag um the doctor was looking at him and he's like so you bring whatever it is the food but what does it give you in return and i don't think there was an answer to that yeah, that, that's one of the holes that I'm talking about in this episode that I wanted answered. Wait, what? Does like, it change it, anything? He feeds the creature so that he can keep getting that hot burning shit. Like those anglerfish feed off the shit? <laughs> no, he no. sells yeah, the... Terry's asking what the anglerfish get out of this. Oh, like, right. That's the parasite things. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, or if they are just like the babies of it. Or maybe they know. eat the bits, like maybe it chomps and then like little bits go off and like gets the bits. I don't know. Well, like, they eat the bits of children. <laughs> yeah. Most large fish have like schools of smaller fish that follow them around for like food and shit. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems weird because they're the ones that end up opening up the ice and then freezing it up again. Well, I don't know if they were freezing it. I'm wondering if just the Leviathan being there causes the ice. So when it's they open so it cool. up, it just refreezes again. I don't know. I don't think the Leviathan is the one that's doing the temperature change. Well, they did say that it was the last one and it got like it left. 
And so that was supposedly the last time it ever froze, which th- would then lead to thinking lead that, to thinking uh, that as well. And I think yeah. the the racist guy also said something like that too. Yeah, but then if it was there the entire time, would the Thames just not be frozen all year round? Maybe it can't keep up with the summer sun. Yeah. Hibernating state. So it eats all winter and then sleeps during the summer. I mean, people probably fall in during the summer too. So Python's good. It just, you know, sometimes when it's it's got to keep the water cold, it takes a little bit more energy. It's got to eat more kids. Right. Me to kids. All right, this is a fun personal fact. Maybe it's not fun, but that's okay. So I've never been ice fishing, even though there's tons of ice fishing around here. Oh, God, we need mostly, to go ice fishing. Mostly because the first thing I heard about ice fishing was that you pull up these eel-like fish that are really gross. Oh, the burbot. Yeah, and you have to yeah. kill them because they're like, they kill everything else. Well, you don't have to, but... Well, people do, though. Yeah. Like, it's the, just, just like the, the common practice yeah. like to just let them die. Mm-hmm. And that just, I couldn't stop thinking about the burbot during this episode also it though, does look a lot like a burbot i know that's a good point hmm. it's creepy so just someone pull it up and let it die <laughs> so it doesn't seem that hard to kill it i don't know why nobody has yet um also the biggest ice fishing place around here has a bar that's like built into the ice sort of and it moves and there's like like the goal of ice fishermen is to find the bar like sometime during the day. Ugh, he's showing me a picture of Burbitt's gross. I googled a picture. Anyway, that would have been a fun little twist to this that could have made it rompy. Finding the ice bar. Didn't happen. <laughs> I do like um that the doctor told Bill that she was essentially his master and like you had to choose for the human race as to what to do with the leviathan and like either save it or kill it yeah he said master i think he said i I hate that part oh i really liked it like it was because rather than her just being there for the ride he's kind of doing the whole clara choosing the moon kill it or save it type of thing yeah Yeah. that fucking worked out chewed his ass for that and he learned nothing. Like, he should have come away from that experience with Clara being like, oh, I really shouldn't do that to somebody. It's a really bad thing to do. I did have more of, a, after our discussion in the last pod, have more of an openness to their relationship about being it, being like teacher-student. And I did feel that a lot more. But I still feel like that just makes it so weird. Like, he just explains over explains everything to her and then even with that like you need to make the choice for x y and z reason that we've never seen from the doctor before and i get it he's teaching her and whatnot but it it just doesn't feel right to me yet i I can agree with that we we have seen it but he doesn't he was he doesn't explain it's a like you choose and then walks away where this time, like, he just explains everything so thoroughly. And, like, she does ask a lot of questions. And he's okay with it and open to it. Which is fine because that's it's a relationship. Orky. But it's just so different. I think I think the parallel between Clara and Bill um, is a little different in this episode. In that the doctor straight up abandons Clara in part of the episode to, like, figure it out. And the whole time in this one, he's with Bill, like go like on this journey with her. Um, but I also, I don't know if maybe I was reading too much into the scene or into what was going on, but I feel like it really wasn't a decision Bill was making. The doctor was kind of how a professor would ask a student a question. Like he was just asking her the question. He knew the right answer. He was going to always free it, but he wanted her to say it or make sure that she's on the right wavelength or the same wavelength as him. So it was more of a test, but that's what I was kind of getting out of that. Yeah, especially after the whole uh, her questioning him, too, of like, how many people have you seen die or how many have you killed? And just realizing what he has been through and if he even has Mm -hmm. like feelings or not. On this note, I had a huge problem with that. Huge problem. Not specifically. It's nice that... uh... Because we have that coming to Jesus moment with a lot of the, uh, God damn it, comrades, companions, 
you. And this was uh, Bill's moment to come to Jesus. Cody was a spy. (laughs) That's great. But when she asked him the question, uh, oh, fuck. It was like, have you killed somebody? And every time he's like, well, I have an explanation here. It's not so simple. It's a yes or no. And she's like, fuck you. Yes or no. I hate when people boil it down to just that binary answer that makes no sense. Well, then fuck you. Yeah, I kill people all the time. (laughs) Like there's been perfectly good reasons for the doctor to kill. Uh, We don't necessarily see them in the deaths in this episode, but that's fine. (laughs) I'll disagree with you a little there. Uh, Yes, one should listen to the reasons, but also it's coming off of, like, that's the middle part of a conversation. And she's kind of testing him, like, how easily he was able to move on from watching a boy die. And when he's, you know, kind of flippantly passing off, you know, how many people he's seen die... The reason she's asking him isn't to know whether or not he's killed someone, but to know what it did to him emotionally. Like, if you kill someone in the line of duty or in the military or, like, it it should still take a toll, even if it was justified. It, it's from Bill's point of view, I'm saying. Like, he, she believes that there still should be, like, an emotional price. It was like an overly descriptive like psychiatrist review that I don't expect Bill to come forward with. To me, it seemed more like a millennial dude. What do you want? Specifically (laughs) curious on if he's killed somebody. Like if you walk up to somebody who just returned from uh, like a military or or who just returned from a mission and you're like, Hey, did you ever, you ever just like shoot somebody? It really seemed to me like a, if you have a friend come back from war, eventually it comes around to, did you have to kill anyone? Or maybe they talk about it. But if someone says, yes, I had to kill someone, your response is like, fuck. Not like, oh, well, I'm sure you were justified in your actions. Let's <laughs> never speak of this again. Right. Well, yeah. Anyway. How old is Bill supposed to be again? College age? 23? I don't know. Nah, she's younger than that. Really? She's, she's like old early to... college. She's old enough to drink, but that's 18 in the UK. Oh, um, so 18. Hold on. My, my PC, my dad, I got to run downstairs and grab the cord. Now we talk without Jake. Ha 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 This is our uh, podcast now. <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering because if she has, if she's supposed to be younger, then for sure she hasn't dealt with a lot more in her life. And yeah, possibly she, of loss or anything like that. She so definitely I, has dealt with nothing. That's pretty yeah. evident. So it's all of this stuff that the doctor does go through and then doesn't necessarily react to as like a normal human being possibly would, like she is when she's freaking out a lot. Um, that she's reading them as like, what are you? Some sort of psychotic creature that's going to snap? Like she doesn't understand him at the moment so that's kind of why i'm wondering like if she's supposed to be really young i feel like jake or alex can look this up well i don't don't know if it matters but to like what terry was saying um i think i i think no matter what age you are if you learn something of someone that you thought you knew like know that they've been working with each or they've been together as professor and student for over a year now and so i think from maybe from her point of point of view she knows a lot of the doctor and knows what he's like and what he's about and hearing or even seeing that he is killed not only just once but potentially several times yeah i think that would take anyone back like that would that would that would make anyone be like holy shit and like just kind of take a moment you know in what we see, she handled it pretty, pretty well. <laughs> in like the minute or two, it you know she kind of freaked out. That's true, because yeah, like almost like a couple minutes later, she's like, ah, whatevs, we're fine. Yeah, she was talking to the kids, and the kid is like, "You're yelling," and she's like, "We're having a fight. We're cool now." <laughs> she keeps seeing the doctor. 
Well, no, no, no. That was in response to the kid dying, right? But then she's later on, she sees the doctor like straight up murder a dude. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, it just gave <laughs> it from the Sonic? Yeah, yeah, when uh, he gets his screwdriver to the, the dude and he gets killed and the doctor's like, yep. And he's immediately over it, which I think is a great retrospect. Regarding her think... age, though, we talked about it before, but he definitely specifically picked her for a reason. And I wonder if her youthfulness isn't a lot of that. Just a, like bringing it back down to what is his mission and who is he? Well, I, I like Someone to... look how old she is. I like to think the doctor chose Bill because of her willingness to explore and see things. Because even in this episode, we saw in the beginning when she gets into the fair, she's just looking wide-eyed like a kid in a candy store. I'm going to try everything here. And was just going, like just having a ball. And I think the doctor saw that when she was in his class. And that probably attracted him to her more than anything, I think, especially now that he's like ball and chained to this one spot. Like he just wants someone to want to see everything again. You know what I mean? But she's all bark and no bite. She doesn't even try the goat hearts. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I think whatever she's there for has to do more with his, whatever his scientific thing going on in the basement is. Than anything else, because obviously, oh, why do you think uh, Bill, as a companion, wants to be around the doctor? Like, it, what does Bill get? It was out of? it was a teacher student thing. It wasn't a. She didn't know that he was right. the doctor. Like now, she. I mean, we see in the first one when he's trying to wipe her memory, where she's just like, "This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Please don't take it away." And now instead of taking it away she gets more of it like she's here for the adventure and for the experience i think that's like the one thing that's always jumping between every single companion it's always who i can't say that i've only seen a very limited number of companions but the companions that i have seen have just been all looking for adventure and they're curious and generally unafraid of the unknown Jake, yeah and how usually old is Bill? She's early college age. She's between 18 Google, and 22. Look it up on Wiki, Wiki something. I, so I'm looking no. at... Uh, <laughs> yeah, why does it, it says matter? That, Tell me. It doesn't matter. It, it said, I care. Bill was born around 1991. So it depends on so what the what year is. is. Yeah. She's my age. Uh, it's 2015. So she's 23 or 24. Hey, okay. It's what I said. That's older than I expected. She's a grad student. Yeah. She wasn't a student student. How, you, yeah, you have to be a right. student okay. first to I be a grad student. Yeah. <laughs> she was just so attending. She said, I don't go to the school, and he said, I'll take care of that. I forgot. Fine. Yeah. All right. Well, we got all the important stuff out of the way. <laughs> is, how it feels to murder someone and how old Bill is. So <laughs> I think we're done. Hey, that's what the episode Pretty really much. just wanted to convey. End of the podcast. Regarding the, the race way. thing, oh. I, I thought it would be a more hardcore episode. Like, she's, I mean, it's a very vocal, like, hey, look, we're addressing this in this episode. And then I feel like it's just kind of a back burner thing, which I, I don't know. I just feel like if you're going to point it out at the beginning of an episode, then I thought they would do more with that. What you mean the, what do you mean? The slavery, like. Like, it's pointed out, oh. hey, there's still slaves here. This is going to be an issue. Yeah. But it's also like they're in, they spend most of the time in a place where they point out the fact that, oh, there's actually like a lot of black people, you know, around and it's not a big deal. And then the doctor says, yeah, yeah, the history's a whitewash. Hmm. Yeah, because he talked about Jesus. And it's it's only when they leave you know, the fair area. And I mean, they're hanging out with homeless kids the whole time. Like who's going to be like, Oh, get that lady out of here. True. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> the, you know, the one time they venture away, you know, she gets called a creature and <laughs> causes the doctor to punch a dude in the face. <laughs> that doctor speech was pretty nuts. Oh, too. That was good. Ooh, that was really good. I, I, I've never been a huge fan of favorite lines, but, hot damn 
Well, I think there's a lot of great lines throughout this episode. And, you know, it's written by Sarah Dollard, who wrote Face the Raven and is on my personal shortlist of people to be the next showrunner. Ooh, yeah, she is quite the poignant wordsmith. Has anybody asked for your list yet? Uh, there's been murmurings. I'm, you know, whittling it down. I don't want to give it out <laughs> until I'm like really set. That's good. <laughs> good call. Twitter. Oh God, they'll tell you part. Uh, was that story that the doctor was reading to the homeless kids or urchins, if you will, um, a real story? Like it sounded so familiar. It was. Yeah, I. My phone's in the other room now, charging, but it was. I, like I just saw it. It is a specific book. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Like I feel like I heard it before, but I couldn't place it. It was great expectations. Jake's phone is too far away to uh tell me otherwise. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was not a fan of Bill's dress. What? Really? Nope. I, I I loved it. I personally hate this period. Really? Like the women's figure is not flattering at all. And just her color palette in general was terrible. Like she had a great looking green, but then her underdress was like this terrible, like peachy pink color that just clashed with it. And then up at her neck, like you didn't have a fun decorative collar or anything like that. It's like, oh, what do we put here? Let's just put a giant white scarf. And it's like, oh, dear God. It just, it, she looked like a salvage army <laughs> outfit built Damn. for that time. Crazy. I, I liked it. I love the doctor's uh, suit as well. He looked classy. Looked super sharp. I think there's a moment that goes by where he doesn't either look like a homeless person or the coolest guy you've ever seen. <laughs> but sometimes at the same time. <laughs> I'm sure that's right up Alex's alley. It's very fun I This episode, I don't know if it was the same for you guys, but when the shoe came down, like in, in front of that giant fish, I thought it was going to be like a Jaws type episode and just kind of spooky. And it, it felt like that all the way through up until like we started to see the little lights underneath the ice. <laughs> and it, it just, that whole idea fell apart, which kind of was disappointing. Can't, can't be Jaws if you're going to show the monster in the first 10 minutes. The whole, the whole point is to save the reveal for the end. Showing that immediately kind of took away from like a lot of suspense yeah. horror. They like, shouldn't oh, have ever shown right. it at all. The very end, when the fin comes through the ice, that should have been it. The only thing you see. But then, okay. how do you? Yeah, how do you say it like that? That feels better. But, but how do you? How do you like have the doctor fix it if he never sees the issue, though? If he never what's goes, what's he need to see? He needs to go underwater and see that it's a creature that, that is bound. Changed. Oh well, yeah, he can see it. We don't need to see it. Oh, guys, the underwater scenes. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> What, you don't like they pointing were... in slow motion? <laughs> <laughs> were their faces CGI or was that really them? I Well, their faces are real. Everything else was CGI. <laughs> but, but was their face CGI'd into the suit? No. Yeah. No, they probably had like part of the suit on. They were, I feel like they were wearing the suit standing in a green room. Yeah. Well, probably. yeah, they wouldn't put Pearl Mackey underwater. Well, I know that, but <laughs> Peter Capaldi, sure. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I feel old. like the 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 actual suit they were wearing was real because you could like see their boots and it well, was yeah, not and they watertight. Also wear, they also <laughs> wear them above ground to camera. Right. Yeah. So I'm right. Thank you. Thank you, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure there's scenes where they don't have to wear the whole thing because they're like, well, we're going to CG everything around you, so it's actually easier if you just wear. A green, like green top and pants instead of putting the suit on. Terry, that book is called Struwelpeter. <laughs> it's a popular book of short stories warning children against unadvisable behavior by <laughs> okay. presenting gruesome consequences. Yeah, like I, it sounded super familiar. And then I was like, oh my God, why is this not? A Doctor Who episode. <laughs> well, here's the part that he reads on screen. 
Don't suck your thumbs while I'm away. The great tall tailor always comes to little boys who suck their thumbs. And ere they dream what he's about, he takes his great sharp scissors out and cuts their thumbs clean off. And then, and that's when it stops. Good Lord. That's I get uh... one of those books for Pod Baby to get him to stop using his pacifier. <laughs> Did you see the video where the guy was trying to feed the kid? The kid wouldn't eat, so he'd beat the shit out of a stuffed doll that didn't want to eat. And then the kid ate it. What? what? Yeah. That's, no. Like, he, he like the return to, of Dr. Mysterio. It just that. <laughs> God, his brain, his poor little brain. He ate the food, though, so it worked. He ate the food, though. Did you, uh, did you say that was like a German, like, short story book? I did. Probably not. would be. Well, what was the title, though? It's like very German, right? Struvelpeter with two W's. Mm. It's written by Heinrich Hoffman, if that helps. It was also written in 1845, yeah. so it's 30 years in the future. Critical and Role has a German actor who is German, and they, they've recently brought up like the gruesome kids' stories <laughs> that German culture has. Yeah, you could say the thing, same thing about the Brothers Grimm. Like, all their original stories are fucking horrifying. Yeah, but those are meant to be horror. Like, these are meant to be... So are like, these. No, they're the same re- thing. They're... Uh, they're <laughs> children's stories to tell children if you're bad you'll get eaten by a witch like yeah. they're they're not yeah. they're not just scary stories for the sake of being scary they're parables yeah right. otherwise it'd be like goosebumps i like the part when the doctor pretends that pearl that pearl that bill i had do a that friend, too Pete, and that yes. he, he stepped on a butterfly and now she doesn't remember him <laughs> That was pretty good. There was more than that one. He had a lot of like really quick. God damn it. That's why all my notes are lines. It's because that those are the best part. And both actors just fucking crush it. At, like uh, uh, Pro Mackie does it with just a face when she's like, so she's seen the lights and she's like, so doctor, is there like any, um, side effects of time travel and he goes oh yeah sometimes you see lights under the ice and she just gives him like this fuck you look it's <laughs> <Yeah>. so good <laughs> i love sarcastic doctor <laughs> like last episode we're like the doctor's a little clowny and not yeah. a big fan and now we're back to like sarcastic peter capaldi never go away please but in the first episode we talked about how he is different than in the previous season and maybe a little more lighthearted. Like, even though he's saying, like, snarky shit, he's doing it in a very friendly way. And, you know, he is, like, goofing with her for fun. Yeah, very true. Like, he's not saying, oh, your friend is the top layer here if you want to pay your respects. I really liked the line where he was leaving the kids and he's like, laters, and then they walk out. He's like, do you see I was being cool with the kids? She's like, yeah, stop. <laughs> it just like says awesome. And she's, yeah, that's uh, when she says stop. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. I just listened to the uh, Neither the Time Nor the Space podcast episode on Listen. And in their episode, they talk about the scene with the doctor and um, Rupert Pink and how they they kind of say like the doctor is actually really bad with kids in this incarnation and that he's in that scene he's like trying his best and uh i i didn't get that i from that scene i kind of thought that the doctor is actually really good with children and that the doctor always should be really good with children even even when he's really bad with everybody else and this episode i know the doctor is different this season but this episode like clearly he's uh just more interested in children than really anybody else yes <laughs> i well i was just curious like what how do you think this uh incarnation of the doctor is with children maybe compared to uh to the others all all other three of them <laughs> i feel like that's exactly what you said he's just always been really good with kids i don't uh i think 11 is probably the best with kids but that's just my opinion i don't know i like he's always yeah. got toys he's really big like just all over the place i guess tenant didn't really have a whole lot of chance 
or a lot of time with kids really at all. Yeah. That was going to be my biggest point was like, it's hard to remember a lot of times where they're interacting with kids. Mm -hmm. I feel like 11 interacted with like infants a lot. And that's, that's kind (laughs) of the most adorable thing that you'll ever see. So it's an unfair comparison. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I I was, I was just going to say, well, just the one, but no, there were two. (laughs) This doctor seems pretty in tune to kids though. And maybe it's that teacher vibe where he wants to teach them and, take them under his wing sort of thing. I I guess last season we even got Courtney who fans don't really like, but even though the, her and the doctor kind of gave each other shit, I think he did kind of like immediately like her. That's kind of what I'm thinking too. Capaldi, I feel has a lot more of a soft spot for younger kids. Cause even with Davros, when he was little kid, rather than killing him and saving a lot of people, like he still <laughs> saved little kid Davros. That's what it takes to be good with kids. Not killing them. <laughs> Not <Yes>. killing them. <laughs> I mean, he kind of missed it with Spider out on the Thames, but. Ooh. Yeah, he killed a lot of kids that day. Can I list the Spider things kids. I don't like that are really minor? Please. We can't list things, but I'm listing. Number one is Bill's earrings in like a just a weird spot on her ear. Anyone else notice that? I think I watched on a screen too small to notice stuff like that. Same. They were like... Did you watch it on your watch? Yes. (laughs) I won't say where I watched it. Thank you. Not in his truck while at work. Assuming. Jesus Christ. What? You you could say you watched on your phone without saying while at work. (laughs) I didn't say any of that shit. But really... Her, she had these like tiny little pearl earrings that were cute, and they weren't in their her first hole. They were like in her second hole, but in like a really weird spot, really close to the edge of her ear. And every time they're on screen, it drove me nuts. Second thing Terry, was the oh, hold on, Terry, you're our hole expert. What what? Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Can you be just the <laughs> fashion expert? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Let him, mean... let him go. Let him continue. Go on, go on. I mean, when it pertains to fashion. Yeah, uh, tell us about the holes, Terry. Yep, yep. <laughs> like on a scale of one to ten, how do you rate those holes? Terry, you noticed them, right? I I would need to relook. So I no, think he there didn't. was, but at the same time, she also had that her weird head wrap around her hair that she just stuck a couple feathers in, so it wasn't like a true hat or accessory for her to wear yeah i don't know that again her whole outfit just threw me off and i probably just ignored her ears because i hated it all i like to call yeah. for a, a vote of no confidence in our whole expert right i, I feel uh, like I... I feel like you're not even trying <laughs> immediately straw manned into clothing what the hell <laughs> my next line i wrote down is how's that a screwdriver uh, in a very broad sense what makes it sonic it makes a noise. <laughs> We've heard that. We've heard that before, haven't we? He uh, said yeah, that exact in, same explanation. No, not him. It was in the next doctor, the guy who thought that he was the doctor and had just like a legit screwdriver. Tenant asked him, well, what makes it sonic? And he just banged it on a wall and said, there, it made a noise. <laughs> <laughs> so the same, 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 but different. Uh, my next note is a little boy drowns in the river. Cool kids show. <laughs> yeah, but to the to the point of the doctor reading that book, it was an allegory. Don't steal, or else you die. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really good point, and I wish I'd have thought of it. <laughs> Big brain, no smoothness over here. <laughs> Nothing but wrinkles. <laughs> I'm looking at this picture, Jill. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think it bothers me too much (laughs) that she has the earrings and the uh, higher holes along. Because, again, um, I don't know if this is just like gay culture or anything like that, too. But of just uh, having the multiple piercings and being young and whatnot, like a lot of uh, gay and bi people that I know have had piercings go like, higher up on the ears and they like to put it in odd places to stand out. So I don't know if that's just something that she's done as a character in the past. And that's why she's done it. I don't know. I could be reading into it 
a lot. Can you heard it from the expert, folks. The, the whole, whole expert. expert. <laughs> the whole expert. <laughs> I retract my vote of no confidence. My next note is I'm over 2,000 years old, and I've never had the time for the luxury of outrage. Oh, it's such yeah. a Sarah Dollar line, and it's so good. I kind of disagree with that statement, though. We've seen the Doctor angry plenty of times. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the Doctor lied. I mean, it happens yeah. later in the episode yeah. where he punches that dude, and she's like, oh, <laughs> you don't have the luxury of outrage. And he's like, meh. I'm, I'm a cheeky bitch. Sometimes I clear my schedule. Tweet, 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 Terry's tweets. Tweet, 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 tweet. Literally if all he, Terry. If you do that, I have to leave all that other bullshit in. <laughs> Or it makes no sense. <laughs> do you do you not want to make an audible right now, and I could do like a second take? Uh, give me a second take, and I'll decide in a couple weeks. Tweet, 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 tweet. All right, Ode underscore Ollie at Ode underscore Ollie says, "All of my thoughts this series are going to be that it's excellent, but even so, I really like this one too. It's such a powerful episode in several ways." I love how naturally and genuinely the setting is presented, not shying away from showing the more brutal side of life, as that is what who should be. The development of Bill and the Doctor's relationship in this is incredible, with the Doctor being as open as he ever is and doesn't sugarcoat the dangers of life with him. Bill's anger at the Doctor's perceived callousness is wonderfully played, and his understated reaction is too. I love the contrast between that and his emotion when he punches Sutcliffe, Seeing the Doctor lose his usual stoicism is brilliant, not to mention it's so satisfying. And her understanding that he never had time for anything but outrage is lovely, especially with the speech being worth the wait. The Doctor in this is amazing too, showing how powerful he could be. His defense, ooh, I love to see defense with a C, you damn Brits. (laughs) (laughs) His defense of the urchins and horror at Subcliff's lack of humanity and compassion is incredible. And again, we get a monster, in quotes, that actually isn't and just needs to be saved. And the glimpse of the vault we get, which we did not talk about at all, just makes it more intriguing, even if by this point a lot of people had guessed it. Ooh, I maybe shouldn't have read that. With Matt Lucas playing Nardal's fear and bravado so well, I think who is at its best when it's promoting kindness and this story, as well as this series, does that magnificently. I'm really hoping you're all loving it so far and very excited for what you think. Even if some of you were wrong about the pilot, love you still. <laughs> There's lots more to come. Oh, it's so weird being like a week ahead and hopefully soon will be more than a week ahead uh, because we're getting responses to reactions that I don't remember anymore. Kind of a bummer, really. I like the the up-to-date responses. That's the only reason I don't like being ahead. Well, quit knocking up your wife so we don't have to do this. <laughs> I'll fucking put it in my schedule. Uh, what? Let's... <laughs> Every day, don't knock up wife. I'll Monday put it in your Friday. schedule. Going to bed. Saturday, Sunday. Like, not weekend. <laughs> Going to bed. I mean, check. Questionable. <laughs> <laughs> let's then have a quick little chat about Nardal and his interaction with the vault. What'd y'all think? I'm just confused at what's behind the door and what it has to do with Nardal and why he's so afraid and why they have a pack that the doctor needs to stay on the planet. What's it's in also the box? Yeah. And like they're keeping very strong tabs on that. Like, uh, is it a massive creature? It, it, like last episode that we did, I had the suspicion that it was a prison of some sort. And just the knocking confirms that something living is inside of it. And it's not like a, here's a doomsday device, but more of like a, here is an actual entity that's conscious and is able to try to communicate. I 100% agree with you. My problem with it is this is Doctor Who and we always end up knowing what is behind the door. So what but is it? we we don't know, <laughs> but we've seen it, and we should have. Oh, known. you mean ah. it'll be familiar? Yeah. Is it Bill? It <laughs> might be Rose. Oh it's shit! Cyber man. I actually was kind of thinking it was me. Like he caught me, me again and locked Ooh. her up. I hope oh, not. I'm done with that her. That would be. That'd be. Could that be crazy? What if it that'd was future Bill? Maybe that's why he picked her. 
my mind. You can't do this. <laughs> Could you imagine like it's like the doctor finds Bill because she knows that in the future she turns into this like horrible space demon thing yeah. and he doesn't know how to beat it so he just locks it behind a door but then he has to go back in time and study bill and he does that by being the teacher of bill wait back it up okay so he can't figure it out so he goes back in time to early before space demon bill and then he teaches her um all these things but then like slowly instills a weakness so when he opens the door he knows her one weakness and can beat bill I really hope that this is what it is. Wow. I'm going to be real. And her one weakness is which hole she puts her earrings in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Chris at This Emo Trash says, Ah, yes, the episode where the doctor punches a racist in the face. I love it so much. This episode really develops a relationship between the doctor and Bill, with her seeing death for the first time and almost being scared of the doctor's almost emotionless reaction to it. Bill asking him how many people he's seen die and how many people he's killed reminds me of Day of the Doctor where War asked 10 and 11 the question about how many children were on Gallifrey that day. Except this time the Doctor has to answer to someone other than himself. This also puts a spotlight on how different Bill is from other companions as I don't think any others have ever had this reaction to people dying or even the Doctor killing people. Except for maybe Donna even though she got over it fairly quickly. This episode, like Martha's first journey back in time, has to deal with the issue of race. I prefer how they do it here, instead of just ignoring the problem like Ten did. This time he decides to make jokes out of Bill's other worries of time travel. I'll never get tired of him knocking out Sutcliffe, because punching a racist will never not be funny. Even though the monster has to be saved rather than defeated, it's still a fun episode with some tense moments. Although one thing's for certain... As much as those kids deserve a better life, a big mansion with butlers maybe isn't the best. That said, great episode, and I hope the marrieds enjoy. We, I did. I won't say we. I enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Mind-blowing no? Uh, Enjoyable, (laughs) yes. Thought-provoking, kind of. We did get to see a racist get his face punched in like really <laughs> hard. Like, I don't think I've seen action movies with punches displayed that hard. <laughs> jury of one at jury of 11 says my second favorite story of this series. First is the finale. Love Bill and the doctor and this episode. While trophy is deaf, my favorite in quotes, typical doctor who outed. I especially like the doctor stealing pies and punching racists. (laughs) Seems to be a common theme here. Yeah, he stole those pies and put them in his top hat. Yeah, I like how, like, he reveals to Bill that he took a pie. And then when they're in the the homeless kid's hut, he pulls out a hundred pies from his hat. So is his hat... bigger on the inside. Yeah, is his hat Time Lord technology? Like, (laughs) he's just got... Like loads of no, space. That's in there? not his hat. He gave the little girl his hat, and then he took that hat from a oh, different person. Shit, oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mind blown. All right, passion fruit scented jar candle at b underscore bird underscore moth says one of the more understated episodes. It's incredibly enjoyable, but for me, not too memorable. I think it's really hard to be a memorable Doctor Who episode. I think it's really hard. Not to like downplay it. It's just that it's like it just has when you have a, a system that's like single episodes at a time and it's not like canon story, it's hard to make episodes really stick out. So I kind of agree with that. Uh, I don't. I remember all of them. <laughs> that's you're just you're an incredible guy. And actually, I'm lying. There is an episode later in the season that I only watched on the day that it aired, and I literally have no idea what it's about. Can't can't remember it at all. I'm a poor sample. I can't remember anything. (laughs) Ever. Ever. Preach. Alex, give me that fun fact theme song. Fun, Fun facts. There are at least three other versions of the Doctor at this fair. 
Wait, the he, same. He said he was there before, and I was really <laughs> curious about that. There's one that we saw referenced in the episode "A Good Man Goes to War." Do you remember at all? Yes. Is this? I'm pretty trivia? sure you talked about this episode. I was going to ask that question in do you remember what episode this has been referenced, but I fucked it up. <laughs> so in that in that episode when Rory goes to try to recruit River to go with them to uh, Demon's Run, River's just like breaking back into the prison and she goes, oh, the doctor took me out for my birthday in 1814 to the last Frost Fair with uh, Stevie Wonder, who sang to her for her birthday. And then Rory says, Stevie Wonder sang to you in 1814. And she goes, yes. Oh, but you must never tell him. I don't remember that happening, but I, I do vaguely. remember you saying we would have an episode <laughs> of this. Uh, the first Doctor, Stephen and Vicky, were there in a big finished story called Frostfire. And the 10th Doctor and Mai went there in a short story called The Frozen that was on the Doctor Who website as part of their 2007 advent calendar. But it's always the 1814 one? That's the last one. That's the but last why, why wouldn't they go Frost to like a previous Fair. one? I don't know. Because they every all year, just Google right? Frostfair and they're like, oh, okay, 1814. Well, I would imagine it would get better every year. So why go to the first one when <laughs> yeah, it sucks? There are fucking elephants at this one. <laughs> Those elephants fuck so hard. And yeah, and <laughs> elephants fucking. Alex, we'll talk about it in our next brothers. It's the same reason like every sci-fi writer uses Byzantium in some way is because they just google Greek history and hmm. like oh Byzantium's a fun word. Byzantium will always bring river to my brain. Yeah, lots of things do that for me. <laughs> uh, I also like to look at all the actors and see if any of them have been in Doctor Who before or if they've been in Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, or Star Wars. Uh, we got one. Simon Letters played Overseer. He was also a patient in New Earth. He's also been various characters in six Big Finish audios. Alex, the MVP theme song. MVP, we got our MVPs. Alex, who's your MVP? Pearl Mackey. Cody? Peter Capaldi. Sam? Peter Capaldi. Jerry? And that's a third vote for Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi. Oh, will I go with Pearl Mackey to tie it up? I won't. I'm going to Sarah Dollard. Fuck all you. Yeah, that she was a very close second. I I had troubles. I think both lead actors were really good. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It, it seems so docile that just giving both either of those actors like really great uh lines and just having them essentially stand still and deliver them is uh it's a home run like obviously they're gonna kill it but they need those great lines and it came from that which we call sarah dollard it is now time for everybody's favorite podcast game the Doctor Who trivial pursuit slash doug bets and movie game game in which i will ask each of these kids a doctor Who trivial pursuit question It'll be random, but it will be from a story that we've seen before. If they get it wrong, then the next person gets the same question, but they get four multiple choice options. If they get it wrong, the next person gets to guess from the remaining three, etc. Everybody will get a chance to go first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. I have picked the order ahead of time, and it is Sam, Alex, Cody, Jill, Terry. I'm just middle guy. Just yesterday, I received the new Trivial Pursuit what? that has... Hot dang. Because the Neither Time Nor the Space podcast, theirs has Capaldi and even Whitaker questions in it. But I've, I've heard That's them... why I was wondering why you said a, a one that we've seen before. I was like, we've seen all of them. They're before well, the 50th. It has, it has classic Who questions. Uh... 
but uh, yeah but this one this set like stops the 50th yeah so the i i got the new one or the updated one that has new questions because we're getting pretty near the end of all of our cards uh but they do have like just straight up cards that are exactly the same (laughs) and they just throw in new cards essentially all right sam are you ready sure which Spitfire pilot joined the Doctor in the Battle of Demons Run after helping him during the new Dalek Paradigm attack on Earth? Uh, Rory? That famous pilot, Rory? <laughs> oh, pilot. I don't know. Okay, multiple choice. Alex, same question. Do you just know it? Give me the multiple choice. Danny Boy, Maverick, Red Baron, Iceman. No, Danny Boy. For sure. Voiced by Mark Gaddis. Alex, you have one point, and it is now your turn to go first. All right. In Night Terrors, what was the name of Jim's bulldog? Uh, I'm going to go with Bruce. B is for Bruce. B is for Brave. You are incorrect. (laughs) Cody, your multiple choice are Rover, Rufus, Bernard, Joel. That was not helpful at all. (laughs) Rufus. Jill. God damn it. Repeat the options, please. Rover, Rufus, Bernard, Joel. Bernard. That's correct. Nice. Dang it. I had Rufus in my head. (laughs) So I'm glad Cody picked it. Thanks, Cody. Alex has one. Alex has one. Jill has one. Cody, it's your turn to go first. What was the stage name of the actress who died in 1962 but met the doctor at Christmas time in 1952 at Frank Sinatra's house? Mm, Marilyn Monroe. That's correct. Nice. Wow. One for Alex, one for Cody, one for Jill. Jill, it is your turn to go first. And your question is, in Lovin' Monsters, the doctor managed to restore the life essence of some of the Absorbalov's victims. But how was Ursula forced to spend the rest of her days? Cleaning. That is not correct. (laughs) Terry... These multiple choice were already on the card, so these are not my multiple choice. (laughs) Terry, do you need a multiple choice? I do. I can kind of picture what was happening, but I (laughs) need it. This is back when Terry was not a part of the podcast, and so he might have not watched this for 12 years. (laughs) Well, no, I, I remember watching this episode. Here are your options. As a face on a concrete slab, in an oven, trapped in a book, stuck on a computer screen. Concrete slab. Yeah. Easy. Alex has one. Cody has one. Jill has one. Terry has one. Terry, it is your turn to go first. In what year was Bowie Base 1 set up on Mars? It's a year one. He's got it. (laughs) I know, but there's so many episodes on Mars. (laughs) Oh, shit. I'm going to go with... Because you're you're looking for a specific year, not a century or anything. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I will say 30... Okay, okay, okay. Okay. I'm going to give you a clue. In that story, it is revealed that the captain... Adelaide Brooke was yeah. a child in the series four finale. Well, is it not the. Yeah, it's that episode. So. But it's way in the. I'm still going to go. Uh, I'll go 30, 41. So she was a child. In the year 2009. Oh, shit. So Sorry. The waters on Mars. She's 3,000 years old. <laughs> yes. yes she is. My turn. Time goes slowly on Mars. Sam, here are your options. 
2056, 2057, 2058, 2059. 2057. Alex. Yo. <laughs> Same options. I'm going to go 59. Cody. Give me the options again. 2056, 2057, 2058, 2059, 2056. Jill. 2058. Jill is the winner. You remembered all previous answers. That's That's hard. I at least knew that it was the water on Mars episode (laughs) in my head. Yeah, you just thought she was 3,000 years old. Yeah, like way in the future. But then I think I was thinking of her like grandchildren that would be further out into the future and that's probably what was screwing me up all right sam alex cody for second place just yell out the answer which mm. part of doria moldavar is placed in a box in the labyrinth His of head, skulls head. alex is second place yes this has been married who's episode on thin ice if you want to participate with us in our social medias you can follow us on twitter at married who pod on instagram at married who or you can email us married who at gmail.com if you want to listen to this podcast in any other way than you are you can do so on apple Podcasts, google play or spotify or you can go on our website married to who.com on behalf of myself jake cody sam jill alex and producer terry thank you for listening please join us next week for knock knock Woo! <laughs> <laughs>